Hey everyone, it's Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, coming at you from MarketScale's home studio for a Curve Beam video stream. I'm joined on the line now by Dr. Francois Lintz. He's a specialized orthopedic foot and ankle surgeon at UCP Toulouse. And we're going to be chatting a little bit about how COVID-19 is affecting orthopedic care specifically. Dr. Lintz, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. In general, uh, how is the entire French medical community faring during this pandemic? What have the results been like? What has the care been like? How has the um, infrastructure been stretched and reacted to this pandemic? Well, first of all, the whole territory wasn't uh, stretched in the same way. Uh, The Paris region and the east of France were hit harder and earlier than the rest of France which gave the rest of France time to adapt and prepare um, and uh, even to unload some of the stress that was being put on these uh, uh, regions. Uh, Some patients were transferred from uh, Paris and um, Eastern hospitals that were uh, clearly being uh, overloaded with uh, COVID patients. that, that's for the entire medical uh, community. Obviously, uh, doctors uh, have been um, uh, asked to take part in the care of COVID patients, even though it wasn't their main uh, specialty. Uh, as for uh, orthopedic surgeons uh, like myself, uh, we were basically, uh, uh, for the most of us, prepared uh, to go to war with the virus if it came to that. But in fact, uh, because of confinement, people actually uh, injure themselves less. Uh, they drive less, they do less sports, so we have less injuries. And basically, uh, the hospitals have been able to cope with the level of uh, trauma and injuries. Um, and um, as for today, we're looking at now uh, deconfining the country. And, uh, and uh, I would say that things look as if they are under control, even though I'm not uh, up there on the front line. Right. So for the orthopedic care that is happening, um, uh, I know a lot of elective surgeries were postponed, uh, but for the orthopedic consultations that are um, more of an emergency, how is that being handled? How is COVID affecting those office visits? Um, as well as any uh, emergency surgery that is still needing to happen for orthopedic care? Well, as we said, uh, if it's really an emergency, you're going to end up in an emergency department. Right. Uh, in that case, uh, most of the time, there are independent uh, circuits that are organized for COVID patients and non-COVID patients. So you would uh, you know, have your bloods taken and temperature and you'll be oriented depending on if you are suspect of being COVID or not. Uh, and um, if it's uh, really an emergency, then you would be operated on by uh, the surgeon who's on call. Um, uh, actually, as we said, because of confinement, there's been a lot less injuries as usual. So uh, uh, the health system has generally coped pretty well with, uh, with uh, orthopedic uh, trauma. Um, if it's like a delay injury, like uh, 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 you know, some ankle sprain that has uh, been diagnosed as such, but in fact is a fracture, um, then there is still a possibility to, uh, um, to reach out to, the, to these patients through 
through uh, online consultations and um, you know general practitioners can uh, do these diagnoses but the level uh, of uh, accessibility uh, to healthcare in those conditions I think has been a little bit less uh, for two reasons because there was some lag it took some time for uh, doctors um, especially in in, uh, in in private practice to um, access uh, uh, online consultation tools um, and the other reasons is, is that uh, patients are not used to it uh, so I'm guessing that a lot of them would still have gone uh, tried to go through the uh, emergency department uh, or A&E uh, departments and there be faced with uh, you know delays uh, um, because of uh, having to take on uh, so many COVID patients. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's, in a nutshell, that's it. Mm. Well, I think this has been making the case for telemedicine and telehealth in uh, various areas of care, not just for orthopedic care, um, but primary care and everything in between. What has been the telemedicine strategy or orthopedic care specifically, to give that needed care and consultation during this time when possible? Uh, has there been a response within the community that you've seen has been very proactive and effective? Definitely, and that's my main area of expertise because as a specialized foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon, uh, we mostly do uh, elective cases. Uh, we do, I would say, 10 to 5% delayed emergency cases, um, and so that's where telemedicine is, uh, is really uh, a great tool. Um, as most innovations, it's, it's been around for some time and we've been looking at it, but it's like, you know, inventing the wheel. People don't immediately start using wheels <laughs> because it's been invented. You know, they, they need to be forced to do it, uh, by events or over time they gradually get used to it uh so because we were all forced uh by this uh confinement event uh suddenly we all had to do it because it was our only way to generate uh, some income and uh to be available for our patients um the first thing we had to face was that there was a certain number of patients that we had operated on before confinement and that were being left uh, at home with uh, fresh wounds, with questions about how they were going to have their casts removed, uh, what kind of rehab they were going to have to uh, perform. Uh, and usually we would actually see them to explain this to them. Um, and um, and so that that's the first area of uh, telemedicine where um, we think that having had this experience of having to do it because of confinement, we think that it's actually very interesting and we uh, push that further and we should carry on using this tool even when people are deconfined and even when hopefully the world goes back to a uh, to a more normal situation. Uh, because it turned out that people uh, had the answers that they wanted, and um, we could we could uh, give them precise instructions on how to uh, uh, perform wound care, for example, 
uh, how to uh, uh, do uh, rehab exercises. Um, people are basically scared that they're going to miss out on something and something's going to go wrong with their operation. So having this tool where they can actually see us, where we can move and show them exercises, and, uh, it, 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 it really has a soothing effect uh, uh, um, on these apprehensions that our patients can have. So maybe it's not as effective as, uh, you know, touching them and, and, and being actually with them in the same room, but I, I would say it's pretty close. Anyway, if you can't do otherwise, then uh, it, it, it really works well. Um, so in, in, in the midst of COVID, this, this is the first aspect, like for follow-up of patients who have been operated on. Right. But the other thing that we had to do is take into account all the patients that had an appointment with us that had been planned before confinement, and all these people had, uh, you know, planned to take a day off work, uh, to take their car, uh, have somebody look after their children, and travel, you know, anything from a few miles to a couple of hundred miles to come and see us uh, as a, a first consultation, people we had never seen before. And so we called all these patients and we told them that we could see them using uh, um, telemedicine. And most of them actually said, okay, let's not waste time, let's, let's do it. And, and that was a second revelation where it's even more interesting than for follow-up patients because that's where uh, we started thinking about, so what are the categories of patients that we are looking at? So the first category is, oops, you shouldn't be consulting me. You should already be in an ER department, but that's not going to be any different if it's a teleconsultation or a phone call. Uh, the second category of patients are patients that you can see after a couple of minutes of talking to them that they're going to need an operation. In that case, you can plan seeing them with the right investigations. Most of, the, of these people, you're going to need an ultrasound scan, you're going to need a, a cone beam CT, you're going to need something that they don't have in order to uh, refine your surgical indication. So for these people, you can plan things very precisely and even organize the consultation with the anesthetist when they come to see you. So these people actually save time. They don't have to have someone looking at, after the kids. They don't have to take a day off work. They can just say to their colleagues, okay, just give me 10 minutes. I'm going to see my surgeon and I'll be back. And that enables you to save them uh, driving to your office and just driving back home uh, with the prescription for for a cone beam scan or an MRI or whatever. So it's it's really completely positive and it's very interesting for these patients. And every single one of these patients was happy to have converted his live consultation into a, 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 a teleconsultation. Um, the third category of patients is you're not sure, like you need to examine, you actually need to touch their, their foot or uh, whatever else your, uh, your specialty is, but you need to examine them, so you need to see them. In that case, also, you can plan for, uh, you know, extra uh, investigations that you might need. Uh, most of these people you can help already by prescribing uh, custom insoles, uh, physiotherapy, 
this sort of thing would apply to uh, all uh, of orthopedic surgery. But in most other um, um, specialties in medicine, you can do exactly the same thing. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that uh, don't actually need to see you live uh, on, on the first time they, they meet you. Um, so yeah, it, it was overall a, a, a great opportunity and, and a very positive one. And, you know, all of that is contextualized around, obviously, we're in a pandemic where that kind of tool is going to be immediately necessary. What I like about what you and your team were doing is before the pandemic ever hit, um, you were already looking at how telehealth could benefit orthopedic care and orthopedic consultations. I know you had to do some very specific analysis to uh, to see uh, whether your uh, findings were applicable, whether the tools were useful. Could you just give us a little context on the work you did before the pandemic to bring telehealth to orthopedic care? And then uh, you know, connect the dots for us. What do you think that has to say about the uh, pandemic um, telehealth needed world that we're in today? First of all, just to look at the pandemic aspect, I mean, I mean, I never thought I would have to live through this. I never think I would have to live through war or anything <laughs> yeah. uh, in my area of the world, but it does happen to you. So the first lesson is we've got to be ready for it. So telehealth is definitely you know, the main tool that comes out of this crisis and says, hello, I'm here, you need me, and you're going to need me probably in the future, just because this pandemic isn't just going to go away overnight. I mean, there's probably going to be more confinements, you know, uh, uh, and deconfinement is going to be progressive. We're still going to need this tool afterwards. In terms of what we did before, that really comes from core value in, in, uh, in our practice, where uh, we believe in uh, 21st uh, century medicine. We believe that medicine is uh, less an art and more a science and is going to become more that way. And what makes a science is the data and the ability to, uh, um, to investigate what you're doing and to make hypotheses and to check these hypotheses on data. And we've been working for a long time with a, um, a French company, a French startup called uh, Follow Health. Uh, and they have understood this uh, uh, and they built their medical software. It's, it's a follow-up software for, for, um, for uh, patients uh, and doctors. And uh, they've been building their whole software around this idea that you have to be able to look into the data continuously because data makes us more clever. And so... What we did is uh, the first six months that we used this software, we analyzed more than 800 uh, patients that came to see us for the first time to see who they were. And what we saw was that even though my job is a surgeon, so I'm happy to see patients and in fact, they don't need surgery, but actually I'm less useful to them than I would be for someone who actually needs surgery. Mm. Uh, and what we saw was that two-thirds, actually, uh, yeah, uh, six, uh, yeah, two-thirds two -thirds of the patients that came to see us for the first time went back home without the need for surgery. Hmm. So it could be without surgery at all, or it would be maybe surgery in the future. But uh, only one-third of the patients actually needed to see us on that particular day when they came to our office. 
So this struck us as being an incredible waste of resources and uh, uh, also, you know, a significant carbon footprint, which corresponds to the fact of having to bring this patient uh, in uh, to our office. Uh, the goal is to be able to uh, have an interaction with them before and to be able to tell them either, you don't need to see me, I'm going to send you a, a physiotherapy or some pills and you're going to try that out for a couple of months and if it doesn't work, then we can talk about again about uh, coming in. Um, and there's uh, the other category of patients where we can say, okay, you might need surgery, but we need some more investigations. So we'll plan everything and you'll come in and you'll have everything on site. Um, and so that brings me to uh, 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 the concepts of point of care, uh, which is the thing that we're working on with Curvebeam because um, this is a Curvebeam interview of sorts. And uh, what they do is develop uh, on-site, uh, not portable, but uh, let's say uh, a low footprint, um, low impact, uh, imaging, 3D imaging devices, uh, which can be actually coupled with the practice of the doctor who's providing the care, uh, and it can be on-site. So the concept is that you have a problem, you come in, and you go out with a solution that's, that's custom-tailored to your problem because we were on-site able to provide all the diagnosis uh, uh, um, uh, means that we needed to, to, to do the diagnosis. So, so I would say that the first uh, element of this future development is telemedicine to sort out correctly these patients. And those who have to come in, they only have to come in one place once and have all the correct uh, uh, investigations that, that they need to. So I hope that answers your question, but it's definitely very exciting. And it's very exciting to see that the things that we had seen or, or um, intuited before the crisis, uh, uh, actually the crisis told us that we were right. And, and it's totally clever to not want to move people in if they don't need to. And what we hope is that Looking at the data that we're harvesting now, uh, we're going to see that it, it's, it has no morbidity because you, you still have to be scientific and you have to uh, measure if what you're trying to implement uh, is having negative effects on the patients. You know, what if someone, uh, um, uh, you know, you're seeing someone through uh, telemedicine and, and you, you're missing an important thing because you're not actually touching him? You know, that, that could be a problem. So we need to investigate that and make sure that, that uh, it's not an issue. All right, Dr. Francois Lintz, the specialized orthopedic foot and ankle surgeon at UCP Toulouse. Thank you for joining us and giving us some context on how telemedicine and telehealth are impacting orthopedic care, 
not just during the pandemic, um, but how they're potentially shifting the landscape for the better moving forward. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how you and your team continue to push the mantle with telehealth and telemedicine and orthopedic care and seeing, you know, once we get out of this pandemic, what are some of the tools that remain on the uh, orthopedic uh, professional's tool belt to assist with that care and consultation? So again, Dr. Francois Lintz, thank you so much for joining us on the call. Thank you for inviting me.